0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Judges. Judges chapter 6. I want to talk about um, this this, uh, this story. Story in the Bible from Judges 6, and it it talks about the story of Gideon. I want to preach this this morning in in Judges 6 in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came. And sat under a terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abysrite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, not the Lord bring us, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in, his, in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? This story prior to this, it gives us, it sets up what is really happening. This is a moment in history where the Israelites are under incredible oppression. They are going out. The Bible says that they're under such a oppression that when they go out and even sow seeds to try and grow crops, these, these Midianites come and invade their land, steal the seeds, run off. The Bible says they, came, they would come through. With so many camels, it's says as far as the eye can see. How many know there's a lot of camels? The Midianites would come through and they would do this not just once, not just twice, but they would continue to do this. They would rob from them, they would steal from them, so much so... That it caused the children of Israel to flee, and the Bible says they would flee and they would hide in caves and clefts in the mountains, because they were so full of fear. They were oppressed. They had not only had they been broken and beaten, but what they had gone through had so much affected them that it had now gotten into their spirit. You ever gone through, sometimes you can take one hit, you can take two hits, but then after a while, when you continue to sow and the enemy continues to steal, how many know, we can play church this morning, but how many know if we're going to be real, sometimes it can start to affect your spirit. How many know that sometimes when day after day, you don't see your breakthrough, that you find yourself being Affected so much so that it starts to affect even your faith. Where you get beaten and beaten and beaten. This is what is happening in this story. So much so that this dude Gideon is so over it. He's so done. That even his day to day task of threshing the wheat is not something he's even comfortable doing out in the open. He's so full of fear. His spirit is so broken. He can't even go about his day-to-day activities without being full of fear. And so we find Gideon, the Bible says that he's threshing wheat. He's threshing wheat in a wine press, a wine press. It was almost like a pit, like a cave covered Surrounded, he's hidden himself in a wine press and he's threshing wheat. The thing about this story and one of the things that, I, that, that jumped out at me as I was reading this story and I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon my heart is when Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press. We understand what Gideon goes on to do. We know the rest of the story. He goes on to be a mighty warrior. He's a man with great destiny. The thing about this story is he was actually the right man, but he was in the wrong place. He was the right man, but he was in the wrong place. I'm not just talking about the wrong place geographically. See, he was hidden away. Geographically, he was hidden somewhere. He was in a cave. He was closed off. But not only geographically was he in the wrong place, but that wrong place geographically, I believe, represents a mindset that was also wrong. Because when God spoke to him and God declared something over his life, the angel of the Lord, it says in the story, came in and saw Gideon in the wrong place. And the first thing he did is he declared, the Lord is with you. Even though you're in the wrong place, even though you feel defeated, Even though you feel broken, even though it's not working out for you right now, even though you can't see the fruit of your prayers, even though you can't see the fruit of what you've sown, you need to know and take faith this morning that the Lord is with you. How many know that sometimes we have to just declare over our life in the absence of fruit that God's with me? See, it wouldn't take faith to declare over your life God was with you if you saw the fruit of God being with you. But when you cannot see the fruit and you still choose to declare, even though I cannot see it, I know God's with me and He's doing a good work. How many know that takes faith? Give God praise this morning because you know God's with you. It's such a simple word, but I want to tell you, church, it's so encouraging. And we've got to continually be reminded of it. Maybe you show up to work and you don't like your job. You hate your boss and you feel like you're being underpaid. You've got to walk into work and say, you know what? God's with me. When you're going through challenges and you've got the bills all around you, you don't know where the money's going to come from. God, you're with me. You've got to get into the practice of declaring that it's not enough to just think it. It's not enough to just think it. You've got to declare, I want the enemy to hear. That's how I like that. we got to go. We've got to go for the enemy on the front foot. We got too many back foot Christians that they're, they're declaring. Oh, I'm just not sure. I'm just. We got to go for the enemy on the front foot and say, so even though I'm going through it, I know I'm in a cave. I know I'm facing difficulty. God, you're with me. God, I know you're going before me. God, I know your hands upon me. God, your hands upon my family. I want to declare to someone your family's going through some things. God's hand is upon your family. You cannot see it. You think the kids are going crazy. You think all hell's will do it to work in your marriage, God's hands upon your family. He hasn't let you go. He's doing a good work and He's going to come out on top. Give God praise right now if you know God's with you. He's with me. He's with me. He's in my home. He's surrounding my house. Even though I'm facing attack, the Bible says the enemy's going to come one way. Stop worrying about the one way the enemy's coming, and start praising him about the seven ways he's about to flee from you. God's with you. He's with you. You just gotta. You something. You ever talk to the mirror? I mean, different to just telling yourself how good looking you are. You gotta. Sometimes you gotta get up in the morning and say, "God's with you. God's with you." It was the first thing the angel of the Lord said. It was a declaration. I know you're freaking out. I know there's no fruit. I know you don't know how it's going to work out. But God's with you. I love the fact that I don't do anything. I don't do anything alone. I don't do anything alone. The Lord's with me. The Holy Spirit. He's doing a work in me. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a comforter and counsellor. He's with me. He's beside me. He's closer to me than the air I breathe. He's, he's in me. He's doing a work in me. He tells me. He talks to me. He shares with me. He knows exactly what I need when I need it. God is with me. He's with you this morning. Lord declared over him God's with you. Then he says this incredible thing. He says, you're a mighty, you're, you're a mighty man. Of valour. We look at that and i would be looking at that in the net. and so say, hang on, you got the wrong dude here. Check your address, bro. you you got, you got in the wrong house. Maybe you're looking for a warrior out, out in the battlefield. Maybe you're looking for a king, someone that's got some authority. The words, when it talks about a mighty man, it's talking about a warrior, a champion, a giant. When it says someone of valour, someone of wealth, virtue, strength and riches. Hang on a second. Is this not the same people that we're talking about where the Midianites had stolen everything from them? It looks like the angel has rolled up on the wrong doorstep. What was he doing? He was declaring over him not where he was, but where he was called to go. He was declaring over him, you know what you are, you're a champion. You know what you are? You're blessed. You know what you are? You got a destiny. You got a purpose upon your life that's a supernatural purpose that the enemy cannot touch. You got greatness upon your life. Even though he wasn't in it, the Bible says that we have to encourage two good works. Encourage two Good works. The way we do it in society is we wait for the good works to happen and then we encourage off the back of the good works. But the kingdom of God says, I'm going to encourage you before you get there. And what I declare on your life is going to open a door for you to step into what you're called to be. <laughs> I want to declare over you that you're a victor this morning. There is victory all over your life. You were created and designed. God set you up to win. That's what happened when He went on the cross. He did it all on the cross. Guess what? You may not feel like it. doesn't matter. It's on you. Whether you feel it or not, you're great. You're blessed. You're favoured of God. You've got to declare it over your life. This was what the angel was saying. Before I speak into your purpose and give you direction on what you're going to do and where you're going to go, you've got to get in your spirit that there's greatness upon your life. You've got to believe it in your heart. He declared it. He declared it over him. And once he declared it, he then says to him now, Now I need you, I'm calling you. He says, go in your strength, in the might that you have, get up and get out of where you are and get to where you should be. See, he was the right man, but in the wrong place. How many people's destiny has, how many people have missed out on their destiny? Not because they were not the right person, but because it was the right person just in the wrong place. He was called to be a warrior. The problem was he was threshing wheat in a wine press bound by fear. See, when the word of the Lord said to him, go, leave from here, it was not just talking about a geographical location. It was speaking of a mindset. How many people full of destiny, full of purpose, full of dreams? wrong mindset. He said, get up out of where you are. See, the wine press, wine in the Bible represents joy. The problem was he was in a wine press threshing wheat because there was no wine. There was no joy. There was no freedom where he was. But when the Word of the Lord said to him, get up where you are, it was a declaration that you're the right person. you got God's with you. You're a mighty man of valour, but you've got to get up out of this mindset and get in the right mindset of faith and of victory. Otherwise, you won't step into what you're called to be. Similar thing happened to Elijah when Elijah, remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. He goes up to the mountain, calls down fire over the mountain, smokes all these prophets, takes them down, kills them, slaughters them, walks in crazy victory. And then this chick Jezebel, listen to this, this chick Jezebel sends a message to him. This is a phenomenal story. When you look at really what's going on here, Elijah He's the prophet. He's the man of God. Dude has just slaughtered all these prophets of Baal. Call down fire from heaven. I mean, if you're ever going to feel like the man. Bro, this is Elijah's walk around with no shirt on being like, bring it. Whatever you got, bring it. This chick Jezebel sends a messenger that says, tomorrow you're going to be as dead as those prophets. And Elijah, the Bible says, freaks out, runs a day's journey, sits under a tree and prays that God would kill him. Doesn't make sense, does it? You think, bro, if you just killed all these prophets of Baal and Jezebel sends you a letter, send her one back and say, I'm coming for you too. I don't understand what's going on. I mean, I know he's a guy who can't hit a chick. Just find a tough chick and send her there to beat her down for you. I don't know. But what's happening is, understand, it's a spirit. See, what it was, was it was a, and there's a whole different sermon, but there was a Jezebel spirit that was coming through there that was causing, there was an intimidation and there was a fear that was ca- causing this man of God of strength to go a day's journey, sit under a tree and want to die. But look at what happens. The Lord sends an angel to him to speak to him. And he asked him this question, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? That's not just a ge- he does not just have an issue geographically with his location. He's got an issue with his mindset. He says, You're the right man, but you're in the wrong place. You gotta get up out of where you are. Stop giving into doubt and unbelief. Stop giving into this attacks of the enemy over your mind and your thinking. Get into a mindset of faith and victory and be what God has called you to be. I wanna ask you this question, where are you? Where are you this morning? In your mindset over your business, where are you? You believe that that business is of God. Do you believe, are you standing in faith that God has called you to lead that business and grow it to be what God has called it to be? Where are you in the mindset of your marriage? Are you standing in faith? Are you declaring everyday hope and future of life over your marriage? Where are you in regard to your family? Are you in a mindset of doubt and unbelief? Or are you in a mindset of hope? Even though there's not fruit, God, I know you're doing a work. we got to make that decision to to get in the right place. Angel of the Lord spoke it over Gideon. He said, go, go in this might of yours. Speaking of naturally, go in this might of yours. Sometimes we wait for the Spirit of God to come upon us before we believe. See, it doesn't say any mention. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon later. But the angel of the Lord said, don't wait, and as if to say, don't wait for you till you feel it. Before you get in the right mindset, make a decision right now. I'm going to come upon you in a moment. But right now, I want to see you make a decision to to, to, to declare over your own life when you don't feel like it. You know what? I'm going to be a victor in this. I'm going to walk in victory. I've caught myself many times. I I think this is a a daily battle. Get out of where I am. Stop thinking that. The Bible says that we need to dwell on those things that are pure, those things that are praiseworthy. There is not one single thing in your life that is worth your anxiety. Nothing. You must say, man, you don't realise what's going on in my business. Nothing. You don't realise what, what's happening in our family. Nothing. Get in the right place and believe that God is about to do something great. He then gives him a strategy. And the story goes on, and if you know the story for the sake of time, we can't read it all. But the story goes on and it says, Gideon, you're going to be a warrior. Gideon, you're going to have victory. You're going to take out these Midianites. They say it would have been, scholars say different things, but they say a couple of hundred thousand Soldiers. It says that they were scattered. It says this, as many of the sand is on the seashore. That's what it looked like. That's what he was going up against. He gathers together the soldiers and the Bible says, paraphrasing, but Bible says, listen, you got too many. Because if you go with the amount that you have, you might take some glory for yourself. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break you down to the bare minimum. And then I'm going to send you. So when you get victory, I'm going to get all the glory and it's not going to be about you. So he says, this is how you're going to do it. I want you to take the dudes down to the water, to the river, and I want you to get them to all drink from the river. The Bible says that they went down and they all drank from the river and there were two different groups of men. There was the one group of men that, that with both hands, they got on their hands and their knees And put their mouth straight to the water. They didn't touch the water with their hands. Then there was another group of men that bent down and put their hands into the water and lifted the water up to their mouth. And God spoke to him and God said, The guys, the soldiers that lift the water up to their mouth with their hands, they're the ones that you're going to go into battle with. There's only 300, but they're the ones that I want to do it through. See, you've got to understand that these were soldiers fighting men, and they had armour, they had weapons. So in order for you to drink from the stream with your hands, it required them to put down whatever was in their hands. When they put their swords down, when they put their weapons down, it was a message that God was saying to them, you're not going to do this in your own strength. I know you think this is about how it's going to happen. If you know the story further on, they didn't even need swords in in, in the end anyway. But he said, I want you to put down what you're used to. I want you to let go of your own strength, your own ability, your own might, your own power. And I need some men that know how to fight depending on me and not on our own strength. How many know the Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit. I want to tell you, church, the victory that God has called you to walk in is not going to happen because you're so good at what you do. It's not going to happen because you're a phenomenal parent or a great wife or a great husband or a gifted business person. It's going to happen because of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and equipping you to do something supernatural that you can't do in the natural. It's time for us to let go of what we know. Say, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. I'm used to stepping in, doing it and grabbing a hold of it and trying to control it and, and trying to go in my own strength. But this time I'm going to step back and I'm going to trust in you. I remember, I remember years ago, I was a young youth pastor. And, uh, and I, was, I was in ministry and, and, uh, and I was, was preaching around and, and I would preach. I'd get invited at times to do, you know, like a youth conference or preach at a to church or something like that. And I got this invitation. They emailed our office and got this invitation to go and preach at this youth event. It was out in, in outback Australia, and they said, "Look, come. We want you to. We want you to preach at this uh, this event." And uh, and so I went down. I flew into town, and, and the pastor picked me up. And and I remember at at that point I'd been I'd been preaching around. I'd done I'd done some you know conferences, like I said, and I'd gotten used to preaching. I'd gotten used to what you do, especially preaching with teenagers. You know, you get up and you say a funny story and then you say a scripture and a couple of points and close it out. I'd sort of got into the routine of doing what I knew to do. And I remember I flew into I flew into this town and... Uh, And that pastor picks me up and we're driving down the road. I'm ready, man. You know, I'm ready to, you know, go and preach. And we drive down and he's driving me through the town. And and he says, he shows me the church. He said, oh, that's where we do church. And we keep driving to downtown. I said, are we not going? Is the event not at the church? And he says, no, no, no. It's at a a, um, a facility downtown. It's at a big sanctuary downtown, auditorium downtown. I said, okay, cool. So we go down to this event. We pull up at the front of this event and there's at the front of it, like the place is packed out inside and they're flowing outside. There's hundreds of teenagers outside. There was a few police cars there and it was crazy. Like we pull up and it's not like nice church kids, you know. It's like a little bit crazy. And I was like, okay. So we go in and and, and I go in the back and, and they walk me in the back and and we get in the back and then, and then I go like into the green room. I put my stuff down and there's these, these, uh, these dudes sitting in the green room and they're all like drinking and boozing on. And I'm like, okay, all right. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the event hasn't started yet. So I, I, I come out the side and, and it's packed out with kids. It's standing room only. I walk out and I walk out the back. And just start looking around, just sort of, I like to sort of get a vibe of who I'm preaching to. And I walk out and there's dudes like fighting. There's like couples like in the corner, like, you know, getting it on. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. hey, what's up? And I start getting the vibe that this is not your typical church event. I go backstage and I get to the past. I'm like, bro, listen, um, what's going on? <laughs> I said, what? Uh, I said, oh, I'm trying to sort of gauge, you know, where what we're doing, like what the vibe is. And I said, hey, bro, um, how do you, you know, how did you put this together? How'd you advertise this? He says, oh, this is awesome. He said, you know what we do? He says, we get this band. We've got this amazing band here. And I said, yeah, I saw, I saw those guys out the back. Um, are, they, are they your church band? He said, no, 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 they're not even saved. They're a band that all of the kids love. So we paid for this band to come. And because we advertised that all the kids that love this band have come to this gig. And so I said, okay, where do I come into all of this? He said, well, this is what we're going to do. That band are going to get up and play. And then after it, you're going to preach. And I looked at him and I said, what? He said, yeah. What made it worse was he was so pumped. You ever get around someone that's got so much more faith than you? So you just got to try and fake it? But inside, you're freaking out, thinking, oh, dear Lord, we need you to do something radical here. He said, it's going to be awesome. I said, yeah. I said, bro, so you're telling me these kids have got no idea that someone's going to preach a gospel? And he goes, yeah, they've got no idea. I said, oh, dear Jesus. I go back out to the green room to get my Bible. These dudes are having beers out the back before they went on stage. I thought a prayer meeting might be out of the question. <laughs> I, get my, I get my Bible. I got my iPhone in my pocket and some little, um, you know, little Apple iPhone, little speaker, uh, headphones. I go to the side of stage. I mean, the dark and the side of stage. This band go out on stage. The place goes nuts. Kids are going, they're moshing down the front. They are going crazy. This band are up the front, like, and it's just that, like you know, hardcore, like punk, like crazy. They're like, Whoa. kids, are like, yeah. They're like, I'm on the side of stage. I've got some worship playing on my on my little on my phone. I've got the headphone in, and the band is so loud. I'm trying to just sense a little bit of Jesus. I'm shoving the thing so far. My ear is literally touching my brain. Just saying, Lord. I mean, I'm not joking. as in word, no word of a lie. I'm saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. The band right there. Rah! I'm like. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he said, Ben, you've been praying for lost people. He said, I just filled a stadium with lost people, and you're in the corner freaking out, not knowing what to say. You ever feel like God just reaches down from heaven and just gives you the backhander you needed? Do you know what I mean? Just, whoosh, just you know, like no mercy, just. I felt like God looked down and said, You idiot. And it was in the moment I thought, you know what? This is what I've been praying for. And I switched my prayer and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. But I know that you do. See, I was the right person. I was just in the wrong place. And the moment I switched my mindset to a mindset of faith and I put down my natural gifting, because that wasn't going to cut it, not with this crowd. I put down my natural ability to communicate. That wasn't going to, God was going to use that a bit, but He wasn't going to be what was going to do what I wanted God to do. I put down what I knew how to do in the natural, and I remember, I'll never forget it. I put my hands out just in the dark, in a packed out, crazy venue, with a band going crazy on stage, moments before I went out to preach as a young youth pastor. And I said, Lord, I need you to touch me. I need your anointing. I need you, Holy Spirit, to come upon me right now. And Lord, do something through me that I can't do in the natural. And I remember going out onto that stage and I remember preaching to those kids. And I shared about Jesus. I told them about how Jesus saved my life. And I remember I gave, and the kids can come, I'm going to close, but I gave these kids this, at the end, I gave them an opportunity and I said, you want to know Jesus? Most of these kids have never been to service in their entire life. So if you want to know Jesus... So I want you to stand to your feet right across this room. Probably six, maybe 60, 70% of the room straight away in a second just stood to their feet. I remember looking around and as I saw these kids stand to their feet. And the great thing about ministering to teenagers is teenagers don't fake it. Like you know if they don't like you because they'll say, I don't like you. It's very encouraging. But they don't respond just because everyone else is responding I remember as I watched all these kids stand on their feet I remember I stood there and I looked and I thought man God you're good when I do let go when I do trust in you you do something that I can't do one of the guys that stood I saw him in the corner of my eye he'd been sitting off to the side and side of stage I'd seen him walking around the back of stage before the event as well he stood to his feet at the end of the event, after I prayed, I went out the back to, to grab my, you know, my, my stuff out of, the, out of the green room, out the back. And the, you know, the band were back there and, and they were doing their thing, chilling. And this dude was in the, in the back room. And I get my stuff and, and he walks up to me and he puts out his hand. And he said, that was a great speech. I said, thank you. And, uh, and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I've never been, never heard a speech. He kept calling it a speech, you know. He said, I've never heard a speech like that ever before about God. He said, many years ago when I was a little boy, he said, something happened to me that changed my whole life. And ever since that moment, I've always felt like there has been a huge weight upon me. And this is what he described. And this is someone that's not been in church. He said this to me. He said, when you got me to pray that prayer... He said, I felt like that weight lifted off me. And he said, I don't feel it anymore. As when he's saying that, he says that sentence, I feel the power of God hit that room. And I looked at him and I said, I said, bro, I said, I can feel, I can feel God right now in this room. He looks at me and he says, I can feel something too. I said, I want to pray for you, I want you to put out your hands. I lay hands on this and this kid, young 20 year old. Let hands on him in the green room. The band are all sitting there. They're like, what in the heck is going on? As the power of God hit this kid in a green room. There was no band. There was no no lights. It wasn't like a necessarily, you know, what we would call a faith atmosphere. It was just a kid out the back of a venue, just encountering the presence of God. And I remember I left that place and I introduced this this dude to the pastor. I said, bro, you've got to get in this guy's church. Long story short, the next week, this kid was in church. Kept going week after week after week, a few weeks Later, I said, he, uh, he went and talked to the pastor and he said, my dad doesn't like me going to church, so he won't let me come on Sundays. But he said, I reckon I can sneak out on Tuesdays. So would you be able to, if I come to your office, can you preach that message that you preach on Sunday in your office to me on Tuesday so I can still hear it? The pastor said, let's do it. Pastor rang me a few weeks later and he said, I was preaching. I was sharing to this kid this message. He said, power of God hit the room. It was just the two of us in the, in the office. His kid got baptised in the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, church, that kid's still in church today. Still serving the Lord. The rest of the story goes on that his father, his father was a high-end attorney that had now, at that point had retired and was doing pro bono work for people. Rang the church. This was months later. Asked to talk to the pastor and said, Look, I don't know what happened to my kid. All I know is he's speaking some language in his bedroom. I don't know what the heck it is. He said, but I'll tell you this. He said, he's changed. He said, I don't know what you're doing down at that church. But he said, I'm going to write you a check every single week to get behind the work that you're doing as a church. Because if you can change my kid like this, then I believe you can maybe do in other kids that need it as well. But I remember... You know, I remember going home from that event and I remember praying and I said, Lord, forgive me of all of the times when I tried to do it in my own strength. Forgive me of all of the times when I was not operating in the fullness of my destiny because I was trying too hard to do it on my own. The greatest place for us to live as Christians is in that place of complete abandonment to anything we know. And just a place of hanging on to God, saying, Lord, I need you every step of the way because I can't do this on my own. Right across this room, I want us all to stand to our feet